Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I think it's uh, creating those habits, changing those habits. You know, if, you can, if we can change our habits, then we slowly change our lives. And so... You know, I, I've said it before um, with you guys, but I um, I journal daily. Yeah. I know that sounds may sound a little odd. No, it but doesn't. I, I do journal and I write goals down and I review them weekly and look at them. You know, well, twice a day. You know, uh, often uh, I look at them twice a day. But I'm journaling my workouts every day. I'm journaling kind of a gratitude journal, what I'm grateful for every single day. Uh, but I think it's it's that that's a habit that I have now been doing, I guess, since 2013. So. And that's if I miss a day, which I, I don't miss a day. But if I'm late in the day and doing it, I, it's all my to do. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of a front sight focus thing that I'm I'm going to get done that day because it's important to me, and I think it keeps me on track. But it's a habit that I've created over time, and I think going back to the 40 pounds, I think that's great. But what little things can we change? What little goals, like micro goals and things, can we put in in place where we change our habits? I think that's the big thing. Is slow what is it every if you do something for 30 days straight you created a new habit and that's something i try to work on hey this is matt lawson and you are listening to the tom Rowland podcast hey if you like hunting and fishing shows waypoint tv is the place you can see them for free. You don't need cable. You don't need anything other than your phone, um, your tablet, your computer, uh, waypointtv.com. You can go there, learn how to download the app on virtually any device, including your smart TV, and uh, see all the best hunting and fishing shows, films, short films. You can also follow them on Instagram, Waypoint. TV.fishing, waypointtv.boating, and uh, check it out. You'll have a, a lot in store for you if you don't already have it. If you do, you know what I'm talking about. Waypointtv.com, that's the place. Go there for free content. All right, today is New Year's Eve, and I've invited a couple of my friends in to see me here. I've invited these two guys because they are um, in the book club. They are in my inner circle of people that I really look to and uh, put a lot of put a lot of confidence in. Um, everyone should have a group of people that they can talk to about their goals, the things they want to do, the things that are important to them and help them get there in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's just that they hold you accountable. Maybe it's that they are some sort of a mentor. Maybe it's that they offer advice that you don't get other places. Maybe they are just simply the only people in your life that'll tell you how it is. They'll tell you when you're failing. They'll tell you when you're succeeding. They'll be happy for your success, and they will 
help you get back on track on the failures. So these two guys, Matt Lawson, Kyle Heron, they are part of a group that helps me do just those things. And if you don't have that group, I encourage you to find some people that you can surround yourself with that will be um, be these people to you. They will be very supportive in your successes. They will be very supportive in your failures. They will help you celebrate the successes, and they will help you to get back on track when you fail. And both of those things are going to happen. So what I wanted to talk about today was New Year's resolutions and goal setting because New Year's Eve, that's the time when a lot of people think about New Year's resolutions. What is it? How are you going to make next year different than this year? How are you going to um, change things if that's what you want to do? How can you, how can you do better than what you did this year? How can you write some failures? I don't know. How can you lose 40 pounds? How can you do, how can you get in better shape? How can you spend more time with your family? How can you make more money? How can you do whatever? This is the time that all of those things, you know, happen. And it's in about a month that most of those New Year's resolutions are no longer resolutions and simply things that people once thought about. So what I wanted to do is invite two people in that I look to um, because they've had great success with resolutions, goals, doing things in their life that, uh, that they stick with and change and therefore are very successful in goal setting. So Kyle and Matt are joining me today. And um, Matt has been on the podcast once before. He did Seal Fit Kokoro. Matt Lawson, you can go back to one of our first episodes that I had with him. Kyle's new. Probably won't uh, be the last time that, that either one of these guys are on the podcast. I really, really like him. I hope you will too. So stand by for a great conversation on goal setting, New Year's resolutions with my friends, Matt Lawson and Kyle Heron. So today's show is with two of my favorite people, two guys that I do a lot of uh, training with, two guys that uh, are part of the book club, two guys that have been part of different conversations that I've had uh, myself with, you know, if I'm going to set a goal and I want somebody to hold me accountable or I want to talk through uh, an issue these two fellows are two people that I go to often, and I certainly encourage you to have your own group of people like that. But what I wanted to talk about today, because it is New Year's Eve, and we're sitting here on New Year's Eve talking about New Year's resolutions. And of all of my friends and people that I do business with, people that I know, you two guys have managed to probably not only set goals, but meet them and exceed them on a regular basis. So I want to talk about that. First of all, what, so just to introduce you, this is Kyle Heron. Kyle and I work out together. Matt Lawson, who's already been on the podcast one time before, uh, that did Kokoro. Um, These are the two guys that I'm sitting down with. So anyway, what are you guys' thoughts on New Year's resolutions? Yeah, hey, I think they're uh, they're good. I think it's uh, probably should start it before New Year's, but 
I think it's always a good time to sit down. I think uh, tonight with the family, my wife Megan mentioned yesterday about sitting down and trying to map something out, put some goals in front of us as a family uh, for our daughter, Vivi, and our son, Mac, uh, going into 2019. So I think it'll be good. I think that'll be time well spent tonight as so a family. That's how you that's how you choose to spend New Year's Eve is um, is setting goals and, and talking about things like that? That's going to be one of the things we do tonight, yes. I thought you were going to say just drink whiskey all night long. and <laughs> It will take us too long to set those goals. How's that? Well, um, and what would that look like, goals like that? That is a very good question. Um, I think for um, our daughter and our son, as far as you know, where they are in school, and uh, Vivi's involved with basketball and and cross country, and you know maybe some volleyball, and Mac, our son's doing baseball and 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 uh, basketball, and maybe flag football in the fall next year. But you know, just from you know staying active, and then also from a grade standpoint, what type of goals they you know they want to try to achieve in 2019. Uh, For Megan and I, I don't really know yet. Uh, I have some ideas, but uh, nothing concrete. This this is why Matt is such an inspiration to me because he comes up with, I mean, when I think about goal setting and things like that, I always get some of my best material from Matt. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Because I do, like, I'll use this time of year, the end of the year, beginning of the new year to do some serious planning. And I do it, you know, business planning, financial planning, personal planning, setting goals in each of those areas and writing things down. But one of the things I don't do is sit down with the family and do this. And I think that's just next level because it's really team building, getting everybody on board, everybody going in the right direction, everybody pulling in the same direction. I have a a good friend and work associate, David Howell, who does a a family dream board. Mm. I think this is magic. He'll do a big whiteboard in the garage where the whole family gets to see it every day. And everybody in the family, he's got three kids, a wife and three kids, and they've all got a section of the dream board. And you put down three things that I want this year if money were no object. I love that. And, you know, is that something? Megan and I have talked about that, a dream board. Again, I think what action speaks louder than words. We haven't followed through on it yet. But it's definitely something we've talked about putting together, have the kids put together for themselves where they want to be, kind of cut it out, put it on the board. Uh, I, I agree with you, Kyle. It I think that's a home their run. thinking, right? I, I mean, I agree. And they see it often. Yeah. You know, all the, you know, in front of them all the time. I, I, I'm a big believer of that. I, I'm, I'm huge into asking people what they're going to do different the next year and challenge, challenging them on, you know, why. You know, why, why is that important to you? What's your, what's your reward? Because one of the things I've been good at is setting goals. And one of the things I'm not great at is giving myself a reward for those goals. Hmm. And there's such power in that. Um, one, of the, one of the quickest goals I was able to achieve was uh, 2017. And in 2017, I said, if I can sell 10 new accounts, I'm going to join the country club. And this was something that was meaningful to me. I wanted to do it. And I wanted to have a, a reward for hitting, hitting the goal, you know, of, of being productive. And by May, I had sold 10 new, 10 new accounts. Wow. Because it was so, because I wanted to do it so bad. You know, I wanted to go ahead and okay, do it. Okay, so let's look at that real quick. So there's a goal that you set out. You want 10 new accounts. So what is that... This is where I think a lot of people may get a little bit off track. Um, to me, 
when I set a goal like that and accomplish it, I look at it in hindsight. And what I ended up doing was set that goal and then set a lot of little goals that would get me to that. Is that the, what you do? Or do you just say, I want 10 new, new goals or, or 10 new accounts and you already know how to get that? Or are there, are there, do you break that down? I mean, it's been, I, I've done this before with, with big things and little things to where it's like, maybe it's anything from losing weight to getting stronger to uh, a financial goal or a business goal to where you have a goal and then you break it down into, okay, well, if I'm going to get there by this date, by this date, I should be here. By this date, I should be here. And basically, then you can break it down into every day I should be taking these actions that get me closer to this goal. I, I think you definitely can do that. Like in, in sales, I'm a small business owner, but but basically I'm in sales. And so I, I know the activities that will yield production. But as far as when I set the goals, some of the goals are very results oriented. 10 new accounts, boom. X amount of revenue, boom. You know, whatever that is, those are just sheer results, or I want to save X amount of dollars this year or whatever it is. Um, and other goals are effort goals or, or, uh, beginning goals. Uh, one of the best examples, uh, I forget what year it was, but I just happened to have brought all my lists of, um, of, of goals throughout the years, but I think it was, all right, 2011, one of my personal goals was consider CrossFit as a weekly habit. Hmm. Okay, so that was the year I was about to turn 40. Or in 2011, I turned 40. And I just wanted to try it because all my friends, you were in it, Alan was doing it, uh, Maury, and all these guys were talking to me about how oh, it's the greatest thing. Oh, you'll just, you'll love it so much. It's a group, good group of guys. And I was like, you know, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to at least consider doing it as a weekly habit. And that year, I participated four times a week beginning in March and haven't really looked back. I'm going three to four times to your garage to work out right. every week. Wow. And it began as a thought to consider. And so sometimes it's not a result. It's there's, just a beginning. There's power in that. I think, I think that's another place where people get off track. And I know that I have personally is you set a goal that is so big and, and so big could be okay, I'm going to work out five days a week for somebody that doesn't work out or has let their health go way off track. It could be, okay, I'm going to save $10,000 this year for somebody that is not disciplined financially, or it could be, um, I'm going to sell 10 new accounts, whatever. It could be that, that 10 accounts for another person could be a thousand new accounts, right? A goal that just seems so outrageous that people never take action on it. And I think that like what you did there with that consider doing CrossFit, you know, weekly, it takes all the pressure off oh, yeah. of you, you know. Well, I didn't know if I would like it. Right. I didn't know if my body could handle it. I didn't know any of those things. But you were going, you were committed to taking a step towards determining whether those are, whether you would like it, whether that's something that you would want to do further rather than. I'm going to do this regardless. So what if you get in there and you don't like it? Your real goal, or maybe maybe that was your real goal, is just I want to get in better shape, right? I want to get stronger. I want to maintain my flexibility, my mobility. This could be a potential route 
to, towards that, right? Now, what do you guys think about, you know, the, the, I hear people all the time. Uh, I was talking to a guy this morning. He said, I want to lose 40 pounds this year. I've heard people, uh, different takes. Sometimes those numeric goals are just kind of nebulous. They're out there and they're kind of, they're intangible. Sure. But sometimes people say, I want to get into my high school genes or whatever. I think it's uh, creating those habits, changing those habits. You know, if, you can, if we can change our habits, then we slowly change our lives. And so, you know, I, I've said it before um, with you guys, but I, um, I journal daily. Yeah. I know that sounds, may sound a little odd. No, it but doesn't. I, I do journal and I write goals down and I review them weekly and look at them, you know, well, twice a day. And uh, often uh, I look at them twice a day, but I'm journaling my workouts every day. I'm journaling kind of a gratitude journal, what I'm grateful for every single day. Um, but I think it's, it's that, that's a habit that I have now been doing, I guess, since 2013. So, and that's if I miss a day, which I, I don't miss a day, but if I'm late in the day and doing it, I, it's on my to do, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of a front sight focus thing mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm going to get done that day because it's important to me. And I think it keeps me on track, but it's a habit that I've created over time. And I think going back to the 40 pounds, I think that's great. But what little things can we change? What little goals, like micro goals and things can we put in, in place where we change our habits? I think mm-hmm. that's the big thing is slowly, what is it every, if you do something for 30 days straight, you created a new habit. And that's something I try to work on. Talk about the 1% improvement. Well, I'm, is that still a thing? Well, I, tr- I try to do that, uh, but I, you know, that's kind of a Brad McLeod mm-hmm. uh, with Sil- Sil Grinder PT on get you know improve one percent better every day, and so in something, I, in something like uh, reading. That's, that's uh, what kind of takes takes uh, makes that possible. Is if it's you know I want to improve one percent in my deadlift. Well, you probably can today, and then you might be able to tomorrow, and you might be able to next week, but you know, 50 weeks down the road, you may not be able to put 50% on your deadlift if you're already a very well-trained athlete, say that, say you can already uh, deadlift 400 pounds. So to say that you're going to put another 200 pounds on it, it's possible. But what Brad is talking about a lot of times is improve yourself in any area, 1% daily, right? So that to me, like when I start thinking of it like that, is it's like, okay, well, I may be able to make that improvement physically, or I may be able to read a book that gives me 1% more knowledge towards business or towards relationships or towards something. Or it may be that maybe I learn a foreign language and you're getting 1% better every day, right? That's easy because at the point where you know nothing, a 50% improvement over knowing nothing is very easy to, mm-hmm. to get. Mm-hmm. When you're a super trained athlete and you're trying to put, uh, you know, 50% on an already lifetime PR, sure, it's very, very difficult. But what I like about that Seal Grinder PT, Brad McLeod 1%, is it gives you the freedom to go in any direction. And then you're in constant learning and you're in constant accomplishment mode to where you're like, okay. I did that. Okay. The mode part is so key. Uh, For those of you not in this room, uh, Tom's wearing a t-shirt that says mindset is everything. And so. That's right, baby. It is. That's a total (laughs) mindset deal, right? If I want to, if I want to improve 1% in everything, you know, or, or in in one thing or in anything, I mean, you're just constantly, how do I get better? 
how do I get better? Uh, I talked about how Matt inspires me. I started the gratitude journal uh, recently because of he he was sharing this with me and I was walking through big lots in November and I saw this thing. It was like a $4 um, notebook hardbound in the front of it says feeling blessed. And mm-hmm. so it just happened to be right around, you know, uh, Thanksgiving time. So I picked this thing up and I said, I'm going to start the gratitude journal in 2019. Well, I actually started it that week and I go about every three days and I'll journal in it. So I'm, I'm making progress towards that. You're but, creating a habit. Yeah, but they're yeah. like, you know, there's several entries in here, 10 or 15 entries already. And it just, it puts you in this mindset of, okay, I know I'm going to have to write about this. What can I be grateful for today? What, what blessing will I miss if I don't write it down? And it's just, it's an awareness of, man, how God has blessed me or, man, I feel so fortunate to have lucked into whatever or whatever it is, but it just gets you in this gratitude On a different level, on a different level. And I think that, in my opinion, the more grateful we are of the things that we already have, even the smaller things that we have that we take for granted, it seems like we attract more of those into our lives mm. as we um, recognize, you know, what we do have. And so, which we have a lot. I mean, we have a tremendous amount, all of us do, um, in, in a lot of different ways, from mobility to, you know, our health, uh, our mental health. Uh, I mean, our, our families. I mean, you look around and it's, uh, we're very, very blessed. And so, uh, I struggle when I hear people complaining, even myself. I try to, hopefully I'm mindful enough to stop. Uh, on the on the complaining, and I try to catch myself on that because we have way too much uh, to be grateful for and yeah. stuff like that. So and you've been habits. You've been doing the great the gratitude journal for since two thousand eleven thirteen thirteen thirteen. And so what what do you think that has done for you? I think it's increased my awareness, uh, just my overall awareness on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. A little bit more grounded, uh, open, and uh, just more appreciative. Right. You know, from and so A to Z. in starting that habit, because I'll have you both know, uh, Kyle told me that he started this a while back and I, I, gratitude is, is huge for me. And we do our gratitude exercise, you know, at the end of some workouts, but not every workout. So, sure. uh, when Kyle told me about that, he was, he was incorporating this. I, I went home and I talked to Cynthia and I was like, you know what, here's, here's a good idea for, for us for next year. Why don't we each keep a gratitude journal and hold each other accountable for writing in it. And she's like, okay, well, how much do I have to write? And I said, you know, there's no maximum or minimum amount. You can write one word, but well, what I want to do is write it every single day, right? Like I want this to become a habit of journaling and I want to be very careful, like your goal of considering CrossFit. I want to make a daily entry in the gratitude journal and I want to do it together with Cynthia. And um, I just find that on the days that we start the day with the gratitude exercise, I feel better all day long. Absolutely better. Totally agree. And so I want to bring in the, the gratitude journal because I also feel like it is a way of creating a habit that I would like to journal more like you're journaling. I would like to do that more. I'm not, I haven't been very good at it. 
But you did, I, I, you did the thought, whiteboard stuff, though, right? You did the uh, beyond the whiteboard yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's I mean, true. for the that's I, true. I, so I journal the workouts, and and I have um, you know a, a a blog type thing that I that I do, and I, I put that's, those on there. Yeah, but but it's you know it's one thing if you're sharing that with the world, and it's another thing when you when you decide that that's just for you and your wife. That's and, great, though, and, Tom. Yeah, I mean that's super. I think you know I'd love for you know, Megan and I to have a gratitude journal back and, you know, that's, and we talked about it and she's open to something like yeah. that. But, you know, I pulled my, um, I, I, my, the format I use on my journaling is from SealFit. So, um, Mark Devine, it's got a five, uh, five questions in a sense, and it's about your purpose. And so, you know, how are you moving, um, the, the dial closer to your purpose-driven goals on a daily basis. And then, you know, I'm grateful for X and I'm looking forward to this and, and so forth. And so that's kind of the format I follow on a daily basis hmm. uh, on that. So it's, it's I, I, I do the gratitude, of course, what I'm grateful for, and then move on to what my purpose is and how, what am I doing every day to move, my, to, to move closer to my purpose. And so um, I enjoy it. I mean, it's good. <laughs> do you, do you find yourself, do you, I would think that when you have that habit and you have the habit of possibly going back and, and looking back over the week or the month or whatever, or maybe even over the whole last year where you all have all that written down and you can go back and look through some of the goals and some of the things that, that you've written down. Does that tend to, I, I, I would think that when you're when you have that habit, and this is one of the reasons why I want to bring in the journaling more into my own life, because I think that when you have that habit, you you are quicker to see that you are slightly off track. Oh, it, there's no doubt. It helps center me. There is no doubt, and hopefully, I am better because of, and I think I am. And uh, but it definitely helps center me and brings me back every morning after my workout. I'll I, I journal 90 percent of the time unless something's coming up and I take it to work with me. I journal at work. So um, and I'm, a, of course, a, I believe in meditation, too. But, um, you know, at least eight minutes or 10 minutes a day or something. like that. What does Not, that look like? Uh, mine is pretty much just whether it's sitting down and just relaxing and breathing or even lying down on the floor, something comfortable. But, OK, so how do you get? How do you get clear in those moments? I don't. Sometimes I don't. And, and it's not that it has to be perfect. It's just something that's, a, again, a habit that I just try to focus on my breath and relax. And you're going to have all those crazy thoughts and stuff like that going mm-hmm. around. It's just I try not to attach myself to those thoughts and just kind of let them go mm-hmm. and just relax and breathe and focus more and more on my breathing. So, so what do you think a daily meditation practice uh, and, and what you're talking about is not? So first of all, if if you're not in this room and you're not watching this video, Matt is an investment. Um, we have a wealth management firm, Bill Winchester management. and myself. We own okay, so uh, Lawson Winchester. It's not like you. It's not like you are a uh, a California. Um, no, <laughs> you know, kind of long haired dude no. that that li- believes in the woo woo. No. Um, he's and a very buttoned up California. <laughs> but yeah, he's super buttoned up. And but but I think it's interesting to to point that out that that many many professionals are are embracing the meditation, but I, I just want to know what it means, what it does for you. I think focus, I think again, centers, uh, focus, relaxation, uh, calm, 
Um, I really enjoy it. And, and I'll go through periods where I miss two or three days in a row on the meditation, in a row on the meditation side and have to come back, you know, and just start all over. But, um, and sometimes some days or some weeks I'll go, I'll, I'll meditate every single day. So, but I really, I enjoy it. Uh, and I used to kind of struggle with sitting and having to sit for 10 minutes. That was a challenge, you know, like yeah. just focusing on your breath for 10 minutes right. was like, yeah, I was just, that was tough. Uh, but now it's a lot easier to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you very, do it after journaling? No, sometimes I do it, but oftentimes I do it before the journal, after the workouts, uh, before the journal, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a eight or 10 minute. Are you uh, sitting in the easy chair? You sometimes I'll just lie down. It's, you know, it's, mm-hmm. I lie down. It's you ever fall asleep? Uh, I have. Yes, absolutely. I have. I do. Yeah. That's why I can't fall asleep. That's why I also have to be very careful about the meditation. And that's why I also think that the, that the Wim Hof breathing has become my, my means of meditation because I, you know, you hear about meditation and all this. What does that really mean? I think to me, it means that you have, you have a moment in your day to where you put your phone down you you are not even talking to another human being. You are focusing inward, and sometimes some really amazing things happen. Sometimes you come out of that small, tiny period for, you know, in relation to the rest of your day. This is a tiny period of time. Sure. So if you focus inward for 10 minutes, sometimes all you think about is what you're going to eat for lunch. Other times really miraculous things happen and there might be a problem that you're trying to solve or there might be, you know, an issue uh, or a question that you have and you come out of that and sometimes it is like, boom, right there. I've got the answer. Other times it's like maybe a little bit, it's a little bit prolonged. Maybe it doesn't happen immediately, but sometime during that day, you're like, you know what? I don't, I think this is all going to be all right. Or, I think this is this is what I need to do. I need to make that call that I was thinking about avoiding, or I need to do this thing that I need to do, or not do it, or whatever. But it seems like the daily meditation, just like the daily training, just like the daily work, is that it trains you to better respond at times of great, you know, Chaos. Yeah. Um, again, I, I've learned to stop resisting while I'm just trying to clear my mind and stuff. And so that's been a big plus mm-hmm. and not trying to, in a sense, trying to clear the mind and that will happen, but just, just to stop trying to fight the, the chatter. And then, it, then it, it subsides and goes away when you stop resisting mm-hmm. and, and you're not attaching, mm. attaching yourself to any one thought or a series of thoughts. So when you, when you talk about it like that, like what I'm talking about is, is that the more time you can spend resisting attachment to that chatter or to just observing it mm-hmm. or to actually clearing your mind, then when it comes into the place in your day where it's most important in, in, in my mind, that's when you're dealing with your children. Um, because that's the time when you really don't want to say something that you're going to regret. You don't want your emotions to, to get you to a place that you do something that is not productive. I agree. Right. I, I totally so agree. it's at that point that I feel like the daily meditation and this spending this time there, you can all of a sudden go, Oh, 
I'm getting really worked up here. Mm-hmm. There's really not a need to get worked up here, or I'm getting really worked up here. I'm going to really need to watch what I say mm-hmm. right now. And I feel like when you're not meditating or spending a little, you call it what you want. I mean, a lot of people will, will, will say, oh, I'm not going to be into meditating. That's fine. Whatever. Quiet time. Call it time just by yourself, just thinking time, whatever you want to call it. The more time that you're spending there, the quicker that you can, you can catch yourself reacting emotionally I, and, I totally and agree. possibly making a, a, a giant mistake just because you opened your, your big fat mouth. A, your awareness is absolutely your antenna is up right. for those things. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not okay. saying that I've perfected it because I have a long way to go. Well, I, I mean, a that, long way to go on all that. I don't know that you all can that. perfect it. You can't, but I mean, it, it has helped me. I have seen positive uh, uh, outcomes from doing it, but I mm-hmm. still have a long way to go. Yeah. Which is part of the, every process. What about it's a journey? What about visualization? Do you guys do any visualizations? Yeah. I, I'm a big believer in visualization and stuff. I mean, like, I love that dream board idea that oh, you were super. talking about, Kyle. And um, there was a, there was a time that I spent more time with a dream board. And, um, you know, for, if you don't know what a dream board is, uh, basically just a piece of poster board, you look through a magazine or whatever. You're like, I like that car man, I would really like to have that. And you put that picture of that car on there. Maybe it's a picture of a house. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a picture of a, of a beach on a vacation that you'd like to take with your family, whatever it is. You have these ideas. You somehow find some corner, some type of visual cue, and you put it on this board. And a lot of times it's a board that it could be in your closet. So nobody sees it ever except for you when you open the door and there's your, there's your dream board. And it's just some sort of visual cue. I think that that keeps you a little bit more on track for your goals. So like when we're talking about new year's resolutions and goals and such like that, a dream board can be a very effective way to keep you motivated towards that. Because if, if your goal for, or your new year's resolution or your goal or whatever you want to call it is, I'd like to take my family on a Caribbean trip, or I'd like to take them to Key West. I'd like to take them to Hawks K. I'd like to take them wherever you want to go. A picture of that in a place where you can see it all the time can be very, very, very effective. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, I think one of the best that I've ever heard is actually from Kyle, uh, real world, uh, in regards to, you know, Kyle played football at university of Tennessee, Knoxville. And uh, as far as go Vols, go Vols, <laughs> absolutely. As 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 as, as it, I don't want to, I, I won't steal this from you at all, but or tell it. You tell it better than than I can or ever could. But as far as you carrying that that uh, playlist around about oh. the roster, right, and about right. visualizing yourself yeah, on went, that roster went, in high school. Yeah, I went to went to a UT game when I was a sophomore in high school and watched UT play, and I thought. Man, wouldn't it be great to do this one day? And I saw a guy, Mike Kelly, who was from Red Bank, you know, looked like me, you know, just a white kid, you know, from uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And he was on the, he was on the program because I remember looking up who are their linebackers. You know, if I was going to do this, I'd probably have to play linebacker because I'm never going to be a defensive tackle, you know, or a defensive end. So I start looking at the roster and I see all these guys. One's from Dale Jones was from Cleveland, Tennessee. 
Mike Kelly was from, you know, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, who was uh, Nate Middlebrooks was a tight end from uh, Chattanooga, went to Howard. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, these are these are guys that live where I live. Maybe I could do this. And so I took that roster and I, I, I actually I kept it by the toilet for like <laughs> two years. And then for two years, I, or for another year, I carried it in my pocket. I actually tore it out of the book and I kept it in my pocket. And uh, I, I began to visualize my name on that roster. And so I didn't write my name on the roster, but I saw it in my mind and I would rehearse it every day. What number day. were you? Well, I was Dale Jones' number because he was my hero and he was 54. But by the time I got to UTK, uh, I ended up with number 60 because that was the only number they had left. <laughs> and they gave it to the, you know, the guy who just wanted to be there. So anyway, awesome. but, but long story, five years later, I was doing what my dream was. And I was doing it. I was 20. I think I was a red shirt sophomore and I made the travel team. I was doing special teams and stuff like that. But what occurred to me is years later, because after my sophomore year, I felt like, you know what? I've kind of done it. I've kind of done all I'm going to do. And I quit the team. And so I don't tell this part of the story a lot, but I didn't have a, like a second tier goal. I didn't, I didn't have visualized, Hey, maybe I could be a starter on defense instead of a, instead of a kickoff guy, you know, or a kickoff return or a occasional punt team person, you know, I was playing eight or 10 plays a game. Why wasn't I a 60 play a game guy? You know, well, I never, a, I wasn't super talented, but, but I you was, achieved what you had wanted to achieve. Right? It was like, I checked it off the list and I didn't have a plan for that next level. And I'm not saying I would have been a superstar, but I just wonder sometimes, and it's not a regret because I'm where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I'm, a lot of cool things happened immediately after I quit the football team. But it's like, what if I'd have had a next vision, you know, instead of, okay, I'm here, I'm doing, okay, what is next? What's the next level? Is it, you know, maybe learn enough where I could be a coach one day? Maybe I get so involved in that side of it that, you know, I'll be a SEC defensive coordinator one day. I mean, that's not out. I mean, for it's a 20 year old kid no. No. who's in that program, yeah. you know, uh, uh, great experience. But, but I believe very much in visualization, not just big picture down the road stuff, but, but the here and now. I was reading this book called uh, The Mindful Athlete, mm -hmm. and it was written by this guy. You got that? Yeah. Uh, it was written by the guy who, uh, uh, who's the basketball coach, Phil, Phil Jackson, Phil Jackson used this guy in the Jordan era bulls and the Kobe era Lakers. He would bring him in and he would sit down with this pro basketball team and just have them meditate, have them visualize, have them just kind of check out Yeah, during working hours. You know, and they would practice this mindfulness technique. So they would he, kind of play the game already yes, in their head, the game they yes, wanted to play and stuff like yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. So I was in this, sorry, so I was in this uh, pickup game of basketball. Like every week I was going to this gym downtown. I still do it. Like on a, you know, Tuesday morning at 630, we go play basketball. And I thought, you know, Sometimes I get in there and I'm just a spaz. I'm just running the floor like crazy. I'm throwing up bricks. Layups aren't going in. And sometimes I am just stroking the ball and everything's going down. And what is the difference? And sometimes the game seems really fast and harried, you know, kind of thing. And you get to the rim and you 
brick it off, you know, and other times everything's like in slow-mo, but you're moving, you know, you're going fast, you're jumping high, but it's just slow and it just seems effortless. And I thought maybe my mindfulness isn't where it needs to be. And not that this even matters, but it's, but I just kind of spent five minutes before I walked out the door and I just thought, I'm going to be slow at the rim today. Not not physically, but sure, sure. mentally. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to see it, and I'm going to execute. And when I'm making a shot, I am focused. And, man, I played, like, like above my level that day. It was still bad for any level, but, I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> it was above my level. And it, it was just like taking five minutes to see how I really wanted to execute. Well, that's worked really well for Phil Jackson. I don't think anyone could, could debate Mm-mm. how successful he's been. Ten championships. There's so many... There's so many um, Examples of of um, visualization. One that comes to mind right away is the is the story about Michael Phelps when he dove in and his goggles are leaking, and uh, his his goggles fill up with water. Yeah, I heard that. And so he's so practiced. I mean, he's the best swimmer in the world, but maybe the best swimmer in history. So it's no no uh, mystery how he goes down the pool perfectly straight and probably closed his eyes, you know, and, and just did it knows exactly how many strokes he's supposed to take the whole works. He's got everything down, but there's still, when you're at that level, you're talking about hundreds of seconds Mm -hmm. and could it take a hundredth of a second to, for him to blink his eyes and go, Oh no, my goggles have leaked and then swim the best race of his life. But he still lost because of that one tiny hesitation, but he didn't. He dove in, did everything right to plan, finished, and the the sportscaster says, hey, you know, I I understand that your goggles were leaking. How did you do this? You know, how how did you win the race? And he said something, and I may be butchering this, but basically to the point of this conversation, he said, well, I've already won that race a hundred times over. Basically, that he had visualized Mm-hmm. And nothing was going to stop him, not his goggles leaking, not anything else. It also comes into uh, into common knowledge later that his coach would routinely, I don't know, maybe this is an urban legend, but mm-hmm. uh, his coach would routinely make him swim with full goggles because that's mm-hmm. something that could happen, right? I mean, that's like probably 30% of the time that could happen. Wow. So anyway, I mean, of course, he's the best that there's ever been. But the point being is that it didn't surprise him one bit that he won that race because he had visualized it over and over and over again in his mind. And basically every night before he went to bed, he would visualize this race. And so he has done that so many times. And there's lots of other studies and and different um, stories from athletes that that just continue to talk about that, that the more you visualize yourself doing it, the less surprised you are when it actually happens because you've already done it a hundred times. That's right. Or a thousand times or 10,000 times. And, uh, the visualization, um, I believe very, very strongly in it. And, uh, I had, a, I think I've already told this story on the podcast before, but, um, the, the most, the most, uh, obvious way that this happened is one time, just like your, just like your list where you put that list in your pocket, I'm sitting, um, on the floor, um, with, I think Turner and Hayden are there babies and, um, I'm watching ESPN 
And that's when the fishing shows would come on. And so I'm watching and, uh, the fishing shows are coming on. And then, then Tommy Sanders, who's the, the host of ESPN outdoors, he says, okay, next we're going to go down to Key West and fish with my good friend, Jose Wahebe and for tarpon or something like that. And I sat there and I watched it and I was like, man, how cool is that? Like Tommy Sanders just said, he's going to go and they're going to go down there and they're going to fish with, with Jose Wahebe. And I sat there and I said, that's, I'm He's going to say that about me one day. And, um, it was a year later, almost to the day that, um, between that time when I said that, then the great outdoor games happened. And then I was on a bunch of those ESPN shows and I didn't know Tommy Sanders. I had never met Tommy Sanders or maybe I had at the great outdoor games, but he wasn't what I would call a friend. Uh, and he almost a year to the day that I had said, you know, I want that. I want him to say that about me one time. And I want them to say, we're going to go down there with my good friend, Tom Rowland. We're going to fish for tarpon in the Florida Keys. And it happened. It That's absolutely awesome. happened wow. on a show called Fly Fish in America. That is awesome. And um, that was just so profound to me. Like, wow, you can make things happen with your mind. People talk about that a lot, manifesting or sure. speaking it into the universe. Yeah. And it always sounds really hokey, but I mean, there's such power in that. I don't know, man. Well, it happens. It, it sounds hokey, but I've heard it a thousand times over from people like you, from people, from elite athletes, from from regular individuals that just wanted to make this sale. From you know somebody that said uh, countless times when you have somebody on the boat and they catch the fish of a lifetime for them. Maybe it's a permit on fly or a tarpon, or, you know, or something that they've thought about and thought about and thought about. And they said, it's exactly how I thought it was going to happen. Well, flip it, flip it. I mean, on your shirt and uh, as far as mindset is everything, flip that on the other side where you, you come across people and all they talk about is negativity, worry, anxiety. And they seem mm-hmm. to they attract get. that. They seem to attract that. And they seem miserable. And they're always in that perpetual cycle of those events. Mm-hmm. So... If you flip that on the other side, on the positive side, on the positive visualizations, not doesn't mean that you're head in the sand and just skipping around, but you speak a different, you speak something else into existence and it manifests. I think that's a game changer. I think it's like you're on a train track, right? If you're just out there and you have no goals, no aspirations, you're not doing anything to, to set something as your focus, you don't have a roadmap. You don't have anything. You're just drifting aimlessly. But if you set something, I don't care what it is, you want to make the 10 sales. You want to have this, this vacation in Key West. You want to win this tournament. You want to have a, a certain handicap. As soon as you set that, you're like, it's like you're on a train track. You're in motion. Right? You are in motion and everything that you're doing, both consciously and subconsciously, is somehow pushing you to that if everything's lined up right. And and you could speak to this, the things that come into your life that help you along the way to accomplish that goal that when you first started that process, you had no earthly idea. Yeah, but think you would, about this, man. The if you didn't set that goal, it wouldn't happen. These things are coming into your life. You just wouldn't recognize. You're them. not recognizing them. For that's what exactly. They are. Okay. That's exactly you're, correct. You're not seeing I them believe, for what they are. I believe. Like, have you ever decided that you you want a a new car, and then you go out and everywhere you look, there's that car. 
I want a brand new F-150 black. And everywhere you go, oh, there's a black F-150. There's a black F-150. Look, there's one turning this way. Oh, there's one coming this way. Here's one passing me. They're everywhere. But until you set that, mm. you didn't notice them. I never thought about that. You, de- you just didn't notice them. It wasn't that they weren't there. It's not like... So it's like not God, like you're attracting out of thin air. It's all around you. That's I why. think it's all around you all the time, and you all of a sudden recognize it. Now, it's nice to go and you know think that you've spoken this into existence and all of that, but I think what's happening is you're just, you've just become more aware of what it is that you want and... You know, some people would say the universe is sending you all these things. Whatever, man, there's plenty of of opportunity out there. And all of a sudden you drive by and you see a brand new F-150 on the side of the road, you know, that's that's $30,000 less than the than the dealerships offering it. And you're like, that's exactly how much money I have in my bank account. And you buy it. Yeah. Okay. Did the universe send you that or were you just more perceptually aware of what's going on and had a, had a goal of where you wanted to be or something that you wanted. And you're just noticing these opportunities and you're noticing these things as opportunities rather than as just another car that's in your way. And but you're taking action though, too, right. along the way. You're taking action all the way. Well, you've yeah, married, you've married the action to the vision, right? You've got this overarching vision. You know, for me, it was a five-year vision to make it onto that field or whatever it is. So you've got this goal that you can see, feel, taste, and you're rehearsing it. And so as things come into your life, you're able to discern and kind of shove the things to the side that don't align with that purpose, with that vision. Don't align with it. Right. And the things that do align with it. And then you organize your life so that your life is aligned with your goal. And if you don't write your goal down, if you don't journal, if you don't have a dream board, if you don't have a group of people like we have here that are holding you accountable and not necessarily telling you what you want to hear, they're telling you how it is. Like, dude, look, you said you wanted this goal and you're out partying all the time. That's not how you're going to get there. Well, takes a special friend to be able to tell you that. And a mm-hmm. lot of people don't surround themselves with people like that. A lot of people surround themselves with people that are like, oh man, it's good. You'll get there. That's right. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, you know, because maybe if it's that kind of person, maybe they don't even want you to get there. Like, ha- has it been the craziest thing to surround yourself with people that don't actually want to see you accomplish your goals? That's why I find, I find, I think it's really super important and probably the most important thing about goals about aligning yourself with something is that you surround yourself with people that are supportive of what you want, not judgmental about that goal, not whatever. It's like, look, you've said you want this. We've talked about lots of ways that you're going to get there. And I see that you're going in a different direction. That's right. And if you want my help, I'm going to tell you, you're not doing it right. You know, and that's hard to tell somebody. It's hard to hear. You know what's crazy also is when you find people in your life that are feeding you the negativity or coming against the things you want, and you recognize that person as someone who's an antagonist. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, not that you have to eliminate them from your life altogether, because it may be a relative. <laughs> Often. And, I mean, think about that. I mean, you hear about people that are caught in poverty. I mean, people are basically pulling them down so they won't, they won't, leave, so them. They won't leave them. That's right. You know, and That's so right. these negative. So how do you, I mean. 
small doses, you minimize them. Yeah. Well, that's true. But there's also, there is that where people are purposefully pulling you down because they do not want to see you succeed mm-hmm. and leave them no or, or succeed and do whatever you're going to do. But then there's the other of people that love you so much that they don't want to see you get hurt. And this goal that you've set is so audacious and far out there that they just see that, mm, you're just, just going to fail and just, hurt yourself. It, you well, know? you might, but God, it just seems like if you just played it a little safer. So which is the worst? Mm. Which, which of those two things is worse? Like, is it worse that somebody is absolutely doing everything in a malicious way to stop you from getting your goal? Or is it that this person that you respect their opinion so much He's just kind of giving you the... Uh, I would think that would be the more insidious I, because you don't notice it happening, maybe. Yeah, but also the person that's doing it doesn't notice it either. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, it's, and it's coming from a good, good place, that's maybe. Right. It yeah. can be coming yeah. from a good place, but it can often be the thing that steers people off track the most. Mm. Is that your mom said this, or your dad right. said this, or your grandfather said this, or your girlfriend said this. And... And they say it from a place of love and they don't want to see you get hurt, but they, they, they think you're going to get hurt because they don't know anything about what you... They don't know any better. Well, yeah. But no. they also don't know about your goal. That's right. But you know what? A lot of times you don't know about your goal. Like, it's not important to know about your goal. It's not important to know how you're going to get there. What's important is that you have a why for what you want to do. Like, why do you want to get there? And if that is important enough, a, a, a good why will overcome anyhow. That's what Seal Fit says. And, um, and that's true. It's absolutely true. Um, so that's all very interesting. So I want to know what you guys think about um, how all of this stuff that we're talking about, because I think what we kind of jumped over what this day is for so many people. And that is, I want to make a change and I'm going to do X and I'm going to call it a new year's resolution because it's a new year. The slate's getting wiped clean and I'm going to start tomorrow and I'm going to lose 40 pounds or I'm going to start tomorrow and I'm going to make 10 sales. I'm going to start tomorrow and I'm going to do this. Now I have mixed feelings on that because in my opinion, first of all, that's, Awesome. If you want to do that, you're exactly right that the, that this is a new year and the, and the slate is wiped wiped clean to to a point. Um, but you've spent forty years or fifty years or sixty years or twenty years or whatever it is developing the habits that have gotten you to wherever you are right now. So I think it just has to be a little bit deeper, in my opinion, of instead of uh, making just a New Year's resolution that you take maybe a day and, and a new year's resolution or a goal does not have to come on January 1st at all, in my opinion. But if you just take a day or two and do something, maybe you go camping, maybe you take a long hike, maybe you go out on the boat, maybe you do something where you can spend some time by yourself and you look back on the year or your life and you say, okay, this is where I failed this is where I've succeeded. This is what I want. And I want to change the direction of my life. And maybe it's a, just a, a, an eighth of a degree trajectory, right? It's big. To get you to go where you want to go. But I think that it's, I think that that 
period of retrospection is super important to to see not only where you've been successful, but also where you failed. And why did you fail? And, you know, some people are like, man, it's just easier just to say, I want to, I'm just going to go work out five days a week. Well, maybe it is, but that doesn't mean it's going to get you to your goal or that you necessarily even know what the goal is. But I think that um, having a period of retrospection and then determining what it is that you actually want Mm-hmm. is probably more powerful towards actually getting you there than just setting a goal saying, this is where I want to go. No, I, I totally agree. Writing that goal down is a big step too. Huge. And speaking to that goal and thinking of that goal and then taking action and backing it up. What did you say? Speaking? Speaking, you know, talking about it uh, aloud uh, from an accountability standpoint and then taking action on a daily basis you know what are we doing to move that needle or move myself closer to that goal like you were just talking about moving all this stuff out of the way when you have that goal of making the football team at ut knoxville you know everything else kind of falls by the wayside so so what about language i mean the speaking so part important you know, i think it is and what's crazy you know you read these bible stories from the old testament and remember the jacob and esau story where Esau comes in after Jacob's stolen his birthright. And he says to Isaac, well, just give me a blessing. And he goes, I can't. It's already gone. I can give you a lesser blessing. But the main blessing's already been given. He believed so much that the language he used, he had spoken it. It was released. And there was nothing he could do to get it back. And now we say things like, man, I'm such a loser because, Mm. or I'm so fat because. I think that's so dangerous. I mean, we don't believe in the power of language like we used to. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And, and, and there must have been something to it. I mean, because this went on for centuries, and then all of a sudden, we just throw words around like they don't matter. And we'll say things to somebody like, you know, that guy's such a douche or whatever, and we're speaking this out there. And oftentimes, we're harder on ourselves than we are others. Yeah. You know, it's amazing if we treated other people the way we treat ourselves and the way we talk about ourselves. You know, it's... It's, it's horrible. And we hurt it's, the and then ones you wonder why that you're not closest. going forward. Yeah. Right. And, and the closest ones to us will say the most rotten things to Absolutely. Hey, because you know what? I know that guy. Yeah. I mean, we're close. I can say that. Well, I'm just tearing him down or I'm speaking over him some kind of, yeah. you know, gypsy curse or something. It's, but, why would we a, do that? But a gypsy curse, if you want to call it that, you put on yourself with your own language. And what I've been, I mean, my kids, dude, they just have heard this. All their life. As soon as they say, well, I can't. I'm like, no, we don't say that. There's nothing that you can't do. And my feeling about that and what I've always told them is I'm like, look, they, as soon as you say, I can't, you shut off all creative thinking about how could you possibly do that, mm. right? Like as soon as you say, I can't. To anything, anything, your brain just goes, can't, oh, it's like flipping a switch. That's right. It's off. Shut down. If you say, well, I don't think I can do that right now. <laughs> okay. That's a whole different deal, right? Because now you still have the possibility that sometime in the future, you may be able to do that. You might need to learn something. You might need to get stronger. You might need to mature a little bit. You, 
technology might need to advance. But as soon as you say, I can't fly, mm-hmm. then you've shut off all creative thought to how you might be able to fly. Anything can be done. Absolutely. Anything can be done, but the moment that you say it can't be done or that you accept that it can't be done, it's over. And I'm talking about anything. Elon Musk, somebody says, you can't colonize Mars. Well, if he just said, well, you're right, you can't colonize Mars. I don't think he has can't in his vocabulary. No, no. I don't think a lot of successful people have. I used can't. to work with a guy who had a great way of turning creativity back on because I would he would ask me a question and I would say, I don't know, and he'd say, What if you did know? Mm. And it was just a way to to say the question again <laughs> to get me thinking. Well, I guess if I did know, I would, yeah. uh, you know, and then you would, you know. Right. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing when you're talking about business ideas and 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 you're saying, okay, what what would you do to accomplish this goal if money was no object? If you if 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 that was not a consideration, what would you do? And then oftentimes you're like, well, I'd do this and this and this. And then you look at it and you're like, well, that doesn't even cost that much money. That's right. Well, so why why don't you do those things? And you could you could afford that. Like the, there's, there's money in the budget for that. Okay. Well, you just simplified it are, because are either of you guys working on a, a radical goal for the year, something that is going to change the way you work, way you think about life, the way you operate. Is there anything like that? I think one thing, one goal that I have for 19 uh, is 50 books. I don't know how radical that is, but just 50, uh, 50 books in 19, mm-hmm. which is a book a week. Yeah. Roughly a book a week. Yeah, which is a big okay. under, which is a, for me, it's a big undertaking. So it's kind of radical, and hopefully, the things that I learn from those books will be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I, Maybe I, not. I've got a couple. Um, one of one of which was uh, the gratitude journal. Okay, that's something I've already started. We talked about that. Uh, another one. Tell me what you think about this. This seems radical to me, uh, and it kind of came out of an epiphany about a month or so ago, where uh, I was in a place I didn't want to be. But I felt like I had to be there because I felt some guilt about being there. It was like, you know, kind of one of these family things where you kind of go, you know. (laughs) And I remember sitting, just having this epiphany like, I don't want to be here. Why did I say yes to this? And I physically got up and left. And I didn't say like, hey, I'm out of here. You people are a bunch of losers. I just got up and left. And I went and did something that I really wanted to do. So, so out of that moment, uh, that epiphany moment, I said, in 2019, I'm going to act in freedom. That's pretty uh, courageous. Meaning, I'm going to do things that I want to do. And maybe I want to do it for someone else. It's not all going to be self-centered, looking out for number one. But I'm thinking, if I can act in alignment with my goals, dreams, objectives, my overarching vision, my purpose in life, I'm going to live each moment in absolute freedom so that I'm doing exactly what I want to do at that moment, either for me or for someone else, but my motivation is pure. You know, I want to do this because it's the right thing to do. You're not doing it out of guilt or shame. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so I've been thinking about this for over a month now, and I, and I think this is kind of the way I've raised my children because they, when they ask me and they say, well, Matt's parents let him go to this, it's an automatic no. 
It was always an automatic no because there's an entitlement to that. There's an expectation. There's a guilt feeling. And so I've always just shut that out. 100% Z. You'll never get a result out of me that way. And I began to tell my children, you know, I listen to WIFM, what's in it for me. You've got to learn to communicate to me that helps me achieve what I want to achieve so that you can get what you want. It's just good communication, right? I mean, in sales, that's what we do every day. You help enough people get what they want, you get what you want, right? Zig Ziglar said that a million times. And so all that going back, but if I can be exactly where I want to be doing exactly what I want to be doing every moment, what's a fuller life than that? I think that, um, I don't know. Did you read the book that we read? Um, it was in the book club, uh, living with monks, Jesse Itzler. No, no, I read his, uh, seal book, uh, 30 days with a seal. So one, the physical or or the way he describes it and the way I've seen him describe it, I, I really like him for, 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 um, uh, I just really like him for a lot of reasons. One being that he is, uh, almost exactly our age. He's, he just turned 50 this year. So he's going through a lot of different things that, that I am as a, as a 50 year old. And he's got two books, one living with seal, which is when he invited David Goggins to come and live in his house. I read that one. Uh, and he calls that the physical one. And then he has living with monks, which is a mental one or a uh, spiritual one. And, um, you know, er, the work with David Goggins was to get mentally tough through your, through your physical work and everything. And it obviously works real well for David Goggins. And I think it was very profound for Jesse Itzler as well. The monks, he has to go and live at a, uh, or he chooses to go and live in a, uh, in a monastery, monastery wow. for a month or three months or whatever, a short time. But, it's very different. It's as challenging for him, mm. but different. And one of the things that he comes away with, and I think a lot of people our age kind of come away with this, is that there's no reason that he needs to be doing anything that he doesn't want to do. And he develops a very different relationship with time there. And one of the ways that he does is he starts thinking, okay, well, um, the example that he gave was um, my parents are, you know, 80. and so if if we're lucky, they've got 20 years left. Uh, most of those years aren't going to be really great. So let's just say it's 15 years left. So I've got 15 years with my parents. And then he's like, no, I don't have 15 years with my parents. I go see them once week, one week a year. So I have 15 weeks yeah, 15 with trips. my parents. Yes. And in that week, there's probably two or three days where we don't really do anything. And so... Now it's, now it's like 12, you know, it's, and now he breaks it down into days and he's like, you're telling me that I've only got this many days with my parents. So he books a, a flight to go see his parents and decides that, you know, that's not how he wants to spend the rest of his life, that he's 50 and maybe at best he's got another 50 years. And so he's not going to do things like you're talking about, needless, meaningless business meetings. Somebody wants to come and, and pitch you an idea. It's like, no, not doing it. My time, you know, I only have so much time and I'm going to spend that with my parents, with great. my children, mm. with doing something with my friends like you guys in a way that, I want to do it. What a great perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, that I, is I, it was awesome. incredible. Yeah. Uh, that was the best part of the whole book. Um, but it was basically the the underlying theme of the whole book that he developed this different relationship with time and that he realized, you know, I think a lot of people could take that and go go down with it. Like, oh, I'm 50. Oh, man, I've only got, you know, 20 years left if I'm lucky. And he's like, no, no, I've only got 20 years left if I'm lucky. And 10 of those, I'm going to be in really awesome shape. So if I want to go climb mountains, now's the time. Next weekend is the time I'm going to do this. I'm not going to think about it anymore. I'm actually going to go do this and I'm going to do it with these people that I want to do it with. And I'm going to do it on my terms and I'm going to make sure that I am enjoying this process much to what you're talking about. And that can be, it doesn't have to be all for you and all selfish thing. Just, just as you are talking about, he makes mention of, I want to, provide for the community. I want, and when I do these things, I really want to do them. I don't want to be forced into going to some sort of uh, benefit for something that I don't truly believe. Kind of guilted into going to something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, a, that's a different perspective. I like totally. it. You should read that book. It's really good. Now, what is it but, again? I'm sorry. Uh, Living with Monks. Living with Monks. Okay. Jesse Itzler. And uh, you'll burn right through it. It's a very good book. Okay. So one more thing. I want to try this uh, initiative, I call it. I call it the work from home initiative where one day a week, maybe Friday. So this is kind of in the planning stages. So I'm open to any criticism or suggestions, but I don't want to go into the office at all. On one day. On one day, I want to either end my week, begin my week, probably Friday though. I mean, that's probably making the most sense. I mean, in our town, people leave at 12 o'clock on Friday and they're banished into the mist anyway. So I'm thinking maybe Fridays I just don't go into the office. I may still go to appointments. I may still see people. I may still make sales calls. I may still do recruiting, you know, uh, interviews, whatever. I just don't physically go into the office. I change my scenery at least one day Great. a week. That doesn't sound radical, but when I think about it, it makes me kind of tense up a little bit. Like, well, what about what if you did it like this, like a like a stair step approach? And this is one of the things that I watched this happen for one of my clients. And when I was fishing with this guy, uh, he was a surgeon, and he told me one time he came down to Key West and we're fishing, and he says, uh, "Yeah, I'm I'm down here for three days this year, and each year." I'm going to add a day. So the next year he was down for four days. The next year he came down for five days. The next day he came down for six days. The next day, the next year he came down for seven. Well, over 20 years, he's spending a month in the keys almost. Right. And so I didn't really think that that was, I was like, dude, you're one of the best surgeons in the world. If you want to spend, you know, 20 days in the keys, why don't you just do it? Well, it's not that easy. Right. But it is easy to add one day a year incrementally, right? Incrementally. So, so for your goal, what if you did, what if you did on Friday, you're going to spend a half a day in the office and then every week you're going to spend a half a day plus an hour, a half a day plus two hours, a half a day plus three hours out of the office, a half a day plus four hours out of the office, or you're only going to go in at first for an hour. Or, or you're going to be there for, I, I guess I'm doing it wrong, backwards. You're going to be there instead of eight hours, you're going to start with seven hours. So you're just going to take one hour, you're going to cut out an hour early. 
And then the next week, you're going to cut out two hours early and then cut out three hours early and cut out four hours early. But you're not not necessarily cutting out or maybe it's coming in an hour earlier or hour later. You're just choosing to work in a different way, which I think, (laughs) you know, here, Builder um, moves around all the time. He moves his desk like all the time. And he's a big believer in, in just starting doing something fresh. Like Mm -hmm. go work at a coffee shop for a couple hours, go, I don't know, do something different. I think doing something different and keeping things fresh is, is hugely important. Yeah. But if you did it incrementally. More sustainable. Yeah. On the incremental side. I'm going to try and figure this out. That's a great idea though. You know, what's the worst that can happen? You just go back to what you were doing, I guess. Worst case. Worst case, worst thing that could happen is that he comes to one of these meetings and we tell him that <laughs> he failed and he needs to not go to the office on Friday. That's tough. The accountability. Yeah. So I made the, I made the goal <laughs> two years ago to see a movie. You know, you guys were involved. Remember right. this? I know. In right. 2017, I was going to see five movies in 2017 during working hours. At the and theater. I told you guys that and you were like, yeah, at the theater during working hours. And you guys were like, we're in. And we actually saw the first movie of, of, of my first movie of that year together. Yes. I said yeah. I was in for one. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. for all five. That's right. So, yeah. But you went to the movie. I'm going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. See, what would have been yeah. better is if you had said, okay, you're first, you're second, you're third, yeah. you're fourth, and you're fifth. And then you would have had a partner for each one. And you would you think probably that would, would be such it. an easy goal, but you talk about the incremental thing. You know, I saw the fifth movie on December 29th, 2017. It was the last working day possible. See, that's why I have you guys at this table, because that's a very simple goal. That is a goal for you that you want to do. But here's the difference. You accomplished that goal and you did it on December 29th at the 11th hour. How easy would it have been to go, you know what? That's a stupid goal anyway. And I don't even, it's not even a big deal. I proved I could do it. And I'm, here's two hours I could go, Mm -hmm. but you didn't, you, you went and you followed through on it. And what that means to anyone, oh, so what? He went to see a movie, big deal. No, it's that you set a goal and that you actually accomplished it. It doesn't matter what the goal is in my mind, because if you can do that, you could set a goal for anything and accomplish it. That's true. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny because like when I thought about who would I get to sit down here and, and discuss goals and, and how to accomplish them and whether people, people or whether we should do New Year's resolutions or do you call it a New Year's resolution or is it really more of a goal and does it really matter if you do it on January 1st or is this something that you should just bring into your life all the time? The, you guys are the ones that I thought of right away. Because Matt, for his for his an attempt at uh, at the complaining challenge, um, <laughs> was it? Did we talk about that on the podcast? Was it? Were Not we yet. At, okay. No. Yeah, that was something. Uh, it took me about six months to uh, actually uh, achieve that. Thirty days, no complaining. And so, any time that and I, who did you let in on it? Who did you tell? My wife knew about it. Uh, Tom knew about it. Uh, I think most of the, my coworkers and stuff knew about it. So um, my, my parents knew about it. So, uh, but just 
and I, and I held myself accountable because, you know, I, I wanted to, I wanted, I heard about it and I thought, that's not that, that can't be that hard, really. I mean, no complaining for 30 days. And it was very hard. Mm. So what do you, what, what, what's the definition of complaining? If you go outside and you go, Ooh, it's cold out here. Is that anything, complaining? anything negative? Anything in a negative uh, context. So you could go outside and you could go. If it is, if wow, it, it's cold. I love cold well, weather. Yeah, if it is cold, say, hey, it's cold outside. This is great, but not in a complaining manner. Like, oh, it's cold. I'm <laughs> so cold. What if you went outside out and you said, it's cold outside. This oh, sucks. Uh, this is great. That's a, <laughs> hey, that's great. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. So well, that's okay. It, so it good. was more about the the physical act of complaining. Not your. I mean. You're BSing yourself on some of the stuff, right? It was right? more about the mental, about being more aware of what I'm saying. That was the big th- challenge as far as what I'm so pushing out. So the test out. is actually what comes out of your mouth. Being cautious on what you're pushing out. It, you may Whoa. have it here, but don't speak it. That's the, the big thing. The don't. importance of language. I mean, yes. that's it. That's A- absolutely. It. Absolutely. So, I mean, I just wouldn't say it. it may cross my mind, but I'm not going to speak it into existence in a sense. So that's super important because it was of the other shirt that I almost that's wore today, too. which is my <laughs> other second, second favorite shirt is the one that says attitude is contagious. Ah, and so, so when you speak it, when you complain, it's one thing if you're complaining by yourself, when you're complaining around other people, you're just bringing everybody down, man. Who wants to hang out or be around people that complain and make excuses? Yeah. No one. Complainers. Yeah. No one. I mean, it's, it's horrible. But seriously, You're though, right. complainers, what is it with people that, that, that come up to, oh, man, I was just in this awful traffic jam, and it took me so long to get here. I don't understand what's wrong with people. They drive like crazy. I mean, can you believe it? The town has just gotten built up so much here, and gas, I mean, I, was, I needed gas, too, and it's just so expensive now that I... You know, that person thinks that they're making conversation with you, but they have just shot you with this giant stream of negativity. negativity. You're just like, damn, dude. And so, Tom, uh, <laughs> Kyle, by doing that challenge for 30 days, you're so much more aware of that type of, as someone saying that, I mean, I was super alert to that. So I'm just I, actually trying to move out of those conversations. Yeah. You know, because of that negativity and stuff. So my wife started like, saying, Let me stay away from that. She'll say, Hey, do you think uh, my exercise is working? I'll say, Man, baby, you look great. You look great. I mean, your body's changing for the better. Blah, blah. You don't think I look fat? And I, I've begun saying, We don't say fat. We don't do fat talk. And she's like, I know, I know, but do I look? And I say, No, we don't, we don't do fat talk. And it's wow. part, I'm trying to get into that. Yeah. So maybe I, I need to eliminate all fat talk and complaining. <sighs> See, I like having goals that are positive. You know, and it's like like I'll write my goals down. If there's anything that says don't do this, I have to reframe it mm. so it's a positive. Well, and again, thing. I'm not sticking my I wasn't sticking my head in the sand and ignoring negative outcomes or negative events. I mean, that's I think that's unrealistic. I'm just I just chose not to complain not to be mm. negative about yeah, that. Yeah. And to your point, trying to say it in another, be more positive, deliberate. In, in, to, I guess, again, just being trying to be way more deliberate in my positivity. I bet there were times you found yourself literally biting your own tongue just, just yeah. to keep from saying yeah. things. But it made me think of other ways to come about or have a conversation and stuff, which was also very yeah. positive. So that's how that's like when we talk about can't. As soon as you say can't, you yes. shut yourself off from the opportunity that you can. And as soon as you complain, you shut yourself on off from the opportunity that you could 
make maybe make this a positive that this challenge that you see could possibly be an opportunity rather than a challenge. It's going back to Ron but Holiday's it's so book. So easy to do. Absolutely. <sighs> it's a it's a bad habit. I mean, his book Obstacle is the way. I mean, that's great book. A super super book. And and as and as opposed to complaining about those things, trying to view those as opportunities. Not saying they didn't exist, they don't exist, things happen. I get all that. I'm not again head in the sand ignoring that and skipping around saying everything is perfect. I'm not stating that at all. I'm just, it's the way, it, it's the way I choose to react to those things mm-hmm. or respond. Mm-hmm. To and those what did it look like when you, when you actually couldn't hold your tongue anymore and you, you say the thing that it's makes you day, start over a new day count? I mean, but what, ha- what, I just what let it brings rip. you to that <laughs> level? <laughs> You'd go on a 30 minute time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm good. All right. Back at it now. Yeah, I mean, it just different things. So from, you're gone for like 15 days, and then what makes you just break and complain? Just lack of uh, mindfulness, lack of just caught up in the moment, just uh, not really uh, being aware of where of what, what I'm doing. I need to do it's it. It's hard. I need it's, to start with a week. It's a harder. It's a. It was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Gosh, I'm so positive. Yeah, I, I, I just still think it's a it small would be. thing. It's the small things about what would be traffic or weather or whatever, or someone saying something and, and then I respond to or react to it without thinking. That's mm. the big thing. So you have to be mindful. God, you have to and slow it down, slow it down. I am way too quick to react on a lot of things. I mean, just boom, as opposed to let's slow this down. Let's, let's have a pause in here and then let's respond to it. See so, why he's so challenging. No, it was I'm tough. Like, it, <laughs> hey, it was tough. It was really, really tough. It was awful. So I, I've, I've heard of those 10 uh, day Silent camps? Yeah. I'd like to do that. I'd like to do it, but I think that would be very challenging. Ten days, you can't say anything. Well, Kyle. I think that um, no know, despite my despite my uh, my job as a professional television host and podcaster, my comfort zone is not saying anything at all. I'm way out of my comfort zone by talking all the time. Um, and I am perfectly happy not saying anything for 10 days. It, well, that would be maybe my favorite vacation I've ever taken. <laughs> however, <laughs> spot. However, Unbelievable. however, I do believe that it would be far more challenging than you, than you thought. Like the one time that you thought of something really good and yeah. you couldn't say it. And you're sitting with yourself. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mentally, you're just sitting with yourself. And I mean, that's just, yeah, that's I think itself. it'd be, I think it'd be a great experience though. Oh, I think yeah. that, uh, that would take, take some people way out of their comfort zone. Just like, just like it would probably take some people so far out of their comfort zone that it would be comparable to other people doing public speaking. Oh, like no doubt. that shuts people down to think about getting up in front of people and talking. That is, I mean, some people fear it more than death. Yeah. Some people would think that if they had to be quiet for more than a day, they would probably fear that more than death. I mean, I'm somewhere in the middle. I don't really mind either one. I'm perfectly comfortable not saying anything at all. 10 days. Ten wow. days. For 10 days, no problem. Sometimes I would have the, the, the customer that would get on the boat and he would just say, listen, man, I talk to people all day long, the whole time. I really don't want to say anything unnecessary on this trip. And, I, you know, we've been fishing together for a long time, but I really enjoy those long two, three hours of silence. You point a fish out to me when it's out there. Other than that, no problem, sir. Wow. 
We got along great. (laughs) 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 I know exactly where you're coming from. Chowder head that just won't shut (laughs) up. Yeah, yeah, that that was that was awesome. So you ask about goals and and um, um, uncomfortable things, and like you're talking about challenge. Um, I have been trying to incorporate no phone. When I'm talking to someone, sounds easier than you think. No, it's. But in you this mean like world, in a meeting or just face to face talking or I'm, what type I'm, of? I'm mostly talking about when I'm around my family is number one. <laughs> so what I've been trying to do is come in. We have a place that we charge the phones. It's like in a little closet area. You plug it in. You close the door. And that's where the phones sleep at night. That's where they live, you know, when they're charging. And so I come in and I've been putting that in there and then trying to be 100% present when I am talking with my wife or my family. And I would like to see that extend into any face-to-face relationship. And honestly, this is my favorite part about the podcast. We, we've been sitting here for an hour and 19 minutes talking. Not one person's picked up their phone. Not one person has, has reacted in any way to, oh, I just got a text, looked at it. It's a face-to-face, eye-to-eye conversation that we're having right now. That's not happening very often in my life. Oh, it does? It, no. And, and I will say I'm as guilty as anyone else, especially at home with the kids. And it's a horrible example. Megan and I talk about it quite a bit that, that we're setting for them when they see us, but yet it's kind of do as I say, not as I do, but it's awful. I'm not, and we're, we are trying to make, uh, take steps to improve that. I like the idea of putting them up, but the kids see us do this, then they you do know, it. or this or whatever you want to do. Uh, but well, looking at that screen time and then how can we say something when they're sitting there doing that, this right. on an iPad or something. And it's like, no one's talking or you. Well, the worst I, thing is even worse than that. When they're telling you something and you just have oh. a quick little, somebody's waiting on you. Like in our, in our situation, somebody is waiting on me to look at something and say yes or no, like on an edit for a TV show. Does this, is this okay Mm -hmm. or not? And all I need to do is just look at it and say yes or say no and then put it away. But my son's sitting there going, Hey dad, do you know what what we did today? Uh, Well, and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm looking at my phone. That is a message that is received loud and clear by your children of that's way more important than me. Mm-hmm. What do you do when someone's doing that to you? Do you stop talking? I don't know. It depends. I mean, I mean like not in, to in, be this, a jerk. In, this, in this world, like if it was you and Matt and we're having a conversation like we're having right now, I'd be like, dude, come on, man. Our time's all valuable, and we've set aside this time for for this. If you're not into it, then, you know, maybe today's not a good day for this. But that's, I mean, we also share a lot of things, you know, with with a group like this. But, you know, in at work and things like that, when, you know, everything that we're doing is social media and this and that and looking at how many people are looking at whatever and trying to, you know, it, it's it's... It's necessary for a certain part of the day. 
but my focus is, is it necessary for the rest of the day? And, and, you know, well, your family being the core, well, the family's the most important part, but what, what has to happen is that the time at work has to become more efficient because if you're going to, for me, if I'm going to, I mean, I work, you know, from five in the morning until I fall asleep at night, which is usually around 10. And that whole time is working of some sort. I'm thinking about something. I'm writing emails. I'm writing texts. I'm communicating with people. I am waiting for somebody to communicate with me. Every, I'm writing. I'm watching. I'm doing something. Everything that I do all day long, every day is working. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the balance is how does, the, how does that work when your family's there? Like for one, on the one hand, what I do offers a tremendous amount of freedom. I can go see a football game or I can go, I'd never missed a wrestling match or, you know, whatever, because I can have that phone in my pocket. And if somebody needs me to say yes or no, I can do that anywhere in the world. It's a balance. So yes, that is a great benefit. I do not have to be strapped to a desk. I can easily be out on the water. I can easily be at my son's, my daughter's cheerleading thing or lacrosse game or whatever. But I might have to answer the phone every now and then. But how does that, how does that translate into everyday life? And does it become a habit? Does it become like what I've noticed is it's become a habit that is a weakness. I would. I agree with that. And it's easy to pick up that phone. It becomes a habit where I'm speaking for myself, where it becomes a habit where if I'm not doing anything, sometimes I catch myself just picking my right. phone up. That's horrible. And, I, and I'm aware of that. And I'm like, I just picked this up because for I was no bored reason. for no reason out of just habit. I'll sometimes pick it up. I know you guys don't do this, but I'll pick it up and I'll just open the phone, the interface and scroll and then close it right back and put it down. Like, what did I just do? Why did I do that? Maybe y'all don't do that. No. Do I need help? <laughs> no, you, you, you did exactly what, what we do, except I hit Instagram and yeah. then, then, uh, then spend an hour looking at that, uh, Yeah, and, which could easily could be, be work. Like it is work. I'm, I do make a living like that. Is it productive though? Is it no, always it's productive? Hardly unproductive. I know, I know. That's and that's my point. It's the most unproductive. But there is certain time that needs to be spent there for my business. And then I'm wondering how much time am I wasting in my life just looking at that screen? Well, have you seen the the screen time thing? Yes, it's on here. I, I just got mine yesterday. <laughs> I'm on the phone and I told Megan, my wife, I was like, Megan, it says that I average two hours, a bit over two hours a day on screen time. And I, I don't know if that's good or bad. I would, I feel like it's bad. I was an hour and 15 minutes. That's great. You don't even know what I, I was. I feel like I'm looking too long. I know, but you, you run a, you've got a content driven, uh, yeah, of high course. content driven you, business. You, and so that's, that's true. But there, there's significant amounts of time on there that doesn't need to be spent. Oh, I would say half mine's wasted time just out of habit and just wasted. But I don't look at I don't look at the amount of time because yes, you're exactly right. There are that is how the business is run, and so from from the time that I am working until the time that I am not working and I'm around my family, I don't care how much time is how much time the the screen time thing says. What I care about is how much time am I spending without it 
face to face with the people that I love the most. And honestly, you ask about, do you have any really big goals that are going to really change everything in your life? That's it. If I wanted to change one thing in my life right now that would make the biggest difference in every relationship, in every um, thing that is the most important, it would be to come in the door and put the phone in the closet, charge it, and don't touch it again. So so you guys probably don't have this, but there are times when Megan and I are both sitting doing this on our phones. Oh, we I'll look over and I'm like, is this healthy? No, don't have it. You should send I mean, her a text while you're doing that. I yeah. have. Have you really? I have. Like, hello. <laughs> I have done that. Yeah, it's, and I'm like, this is, this is not good. And she I knows that. She knows it. And it's just, but it's a habit. I know. It's a bad habit. And I don't, anyway. But it's a habit also that, you, that everyone is sucked into uh, in this day and age. Um, you know, the phone has, I don't know. The That's phone big. has become so important and we are simply simply a half a step away from technology being completely wearable or yeah. inside of our bodies, no a doubt. contact lens that, that is everything that your phone is doing. So can you imagine just looking at somebody like we are right now, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, but you're really doing all kinds of other things like sending emails and looking at Instagram well, the book while abundance. you just pretend like, you, like you're looking at somebody? Yeah, the book Abundance has that. talks about uh, the technology that's out there right now. It's on 60 Minutes of, of, of six months ago or so where you could think something mentally and it would pull it up through a search engine. And it'll show it on a contact yes. list. Did yeah. the Google yeah. glasses not take off? I don't think they took off because they, they were um, dorky looking. But yeah. I'm telling you, we are we are... We're on the cusp. We are so close to having it happen. And I, I just think that it's one of the scariest things as far as interpersonal relationships. Yeah, do you I think, think it's one of the scariest things? Do you think face-to-face communication will be a premium if it's not already today, but you know, as far as interacting I think it's face-to-face? All you got to do is look at, look at how texting has changed your phone habits. Would you rather text someone or call them? Right? Text. Most e- people are going to say text. It's easier, yeah. but texting is is very impersonal. Absolutely. And I am number one on the list of people that abuse it for that reason. Like I told you, I'd rather not talk to anybody <laughs> ever. Okay. So I'll text with do you anyone. Talk text or do you tap it in? Mm. Oh, I tap it in. Yeah. Same here. Because you've sent some long stuff before. Yeah, I know, but that's because I have text hooked up to my computer. And so mm. I can just oh. wow. fire it away. If I'm if I if I text you on the computer and it's like a triple Look, paragraph, yeah. then I'm I'm on the computer. If it's on the phone and I'm fishing, it's like, hey, what do you think about meeting next week? No, <laughs> <laughs> I think he might be fishing. <laughs> That's a good goal, though, Tom, to to uh, minimize the uh, the screen time with yeah. with family. I well, think that's, that's where I am. I like that. That's uh, you'd have to say it. Positive though, maximize face to face. There you maximize are. Face Look at you, face. man. I want that uh, less screen time mm. forward and night. Be one hundred percent present in all my interactions with my family. Well, that's a that's a challenge. I mean, and a way to I think quant- for everyone that's a challenge. A way to quantify it is I'm not going to be on the phone while I'm talking to people. Right, but it's not a challenge. If it's a challenge, if you got this thing in your lap like that and mm-hmm. it's going off all the time. It's not a challenge if, if, it, it if it's gone or off. 
then you find yourself going right back to your regular habits of face-to-face, eye-to-eye. <laughs> Why are we sitting in here? It's boring. Like, let's go for a walk. Let's go do something. Let's go fishing. Let's go do something. What are you really going to miss by putting your phone up for four hours or so that's going to be so well, it could be, bad? It could be significant in, in, my, in my line of work. It could be very significant. From 8 you o'clock have, at night. You could have uh, an editor who is trying to make a network deadline Mm-hmm. to submit a show. Okay. And he could have a question of whether or not a sponsor's billboard is correct or up to date or whatever. And they absolutely have to have an answer before they can turn that in. And until you answer them, it's that show is sitting stagnant still. And so is the next one that they should be working on. Gotcha. And so that can cause a massive traffic jam in the edit bay Hmm. and all they need is you to just say yes or no thumbs up thumbs up thumbs down um and so there's massive responsibility there to answer the phone Hmm. on occasion but it's just like anything else if the phones had an automatic shutoff around the world At seven o'clock, yeah. and this thing didn't work anywhere after seven o'clock. Do you think that we'd be able to figure it out, and everyone oh, yeah. would be able to go about business as usual? And you would just know, wow, it's getting close to seven. I better send that text to see if this is okay or not. Boom. Okay, good. It is done. Phones off. So I don't know. I think I think that if that's the case, you can't just go on full on blackout. You have to like what I'm going to have to do is just say to the people that I talk to, my editors, you know, the people who might be texting me at those times of the day that's work that's involving work mm-hmm. is that okay, look. I'm going dark yeah. after 5. So whatever we need to do, we need to do before 5. And then you can get me again at 4.30 in the morning. But between 5 and 4.30 in the morning. Well, going back to your time, like what you're talking about, I mean, I I do know people, and I'm sure you guys do too, that say, okay, I'm going to answer emails once a day. After 6 o'clock, you've sent me an email. I'm going to get back to you after 6 o'clock p.m. I'll answer emails between 6 p.m. and 7 p.m. every day. It's like a time block. Yeah, but during the day, there's no responses. Those dudes are... Who are those rich? Guys? <laughs> and they got a lot of people working for them because they dude, have people it, answering their emails. There's for no them. possibility that I can answer yeah. emails one time a day. Think I mean, of, think about if you no had a driver. Way. Think about if you, your next employee was a driver. And for you, you, and you just, you just, you stayed in the contact in contact with people you need to stay in contact with during these hours, or you time blocked your drive time to answer that. And you were completely productive and so, you had time to so shut down. So you're essentially using Uber. You could. And that could be incredibly uh, valuable. I had an attorney that fished with me for a long time and he had a driver. And that's what he said. He was also one of the first people I ever knew that had a cell phone. And then my dad. You know, he just was, wanted you know to who was the first person I knew that had a cell phone was my dad. Really? Who is... Not into suitcase. technology now. Yeah, he had a suitcase. Yeah. Well, he didn't even have the suitcase. He had the one that was, was mounted oh, in the, the car. That's right. That's right. But he was an insurance salesman. 
And he spent a tremendous amount of time in the car going to see people. Mm -hmm. And it just clicked with him right away. Like if I had a phone in the car, (laughs) yeah, think about it. I could be spending, I could be making all the calls. I could be even setting up meetings on the way to make, yeah, to drive out there. Yeah. And then, but it would always start with, Hey, Guess where I'm calling you <laughs> from the car, <laughs> uh, you know, but um, my dad had this portable. It was like a suitcase. It had yeah. a handle. He spent like $2,000. The only reason he had it is because he would take call. He was a doctor. And he'd take calls and he wanted to play golf on Saturday. And so this thing would ring like a house phone in the back of the golf cart. Yeah. And he'd reach back there and he'd, it had a cord, you know, and everything. And so That's he, where I'm calling you. <laughs> from number 17. From the golf course. <laughs> and he would take call, you know, on a Saturday. Yeah. And, but, you know, we'd plan. Yeah, see, freed that's, him up. that's what's happened, though, is that at that point, being able to afford that technology afforded you freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could do anything and you could be away from the office. Now, I feel like you're it's gone slave. from being freedom to handcuffs. Yep. Oh, now you're handcuffed bondage. to the one thing that once offered you freedom. And that's the discipline aspect on it from us as far as being able to step up and, if we can, minimize that where we need to. Right? Well, it's the mindset, yeah. man. It's, it's, and it's mindfulness. It's easier to, what, easiness makes you weak in a sense, but... It's easier not to do it and just have it dominate Absolutely. your life. But, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I, I've got, I have got to set some boundaries with my, uh, I mean, it's just not a good example for the kids. It's not. And, and relationships in general. But, you know, it's, I've got to become more disciplined and aware of, and I'm, oh, gosh, I'm as guilty as anyone. I'm awful. Awful at it. I'm probably the worst. So that's where I have the most improvement. So it, I set myself up for, for success by picking what I'm the worst at and having 1% improvement per day. Mm. So it's easy to get 50% better <laughs> at not talking on the phone. <laughs> anyway, well, this was, uh, this was awesome, guys. And uh, as always, I truly appreciate both of you being part of my circle um, that holds me accountable. And that I can share things that, you know, you don't share with everybody. Um, things that seem really crazy. Things that seem uh, impossible. If you surround yourself with a group of people like, like I have with uh, Matt and Kyle and many others, you can make the most profound changes in your life or keep yourself exactly on track to living the best life that you could possibly live. And I really do believe that, that having positive people around you, um, you know, is the most important. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So pick those people carefully, and hopefully you are as lucky as I am and find some people like Matt and Kyle. So thanks a lot for uh, sitting down and talking about this. I hope it's been uh as productive for you as it was for me. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. All right, man. We'll see you guys.